Creek and God uh, called me to preach. And uh, there was a guy in my life, uh, as I began to turn my face to that uh, throughout my life, I, I was starting to go to college. And when I was at OBU, there was a guy that had told me, uh, you know, you need to major in something that you can fall back on in case that doesn't work out. And so I took his advice and I majored in Bible. And, um, and, <laughs> And then I went to seminary and got another degree in, I don't know, you know, it doesn't matter. I got two seminary degrees. So I, I have nothing to fall back on. I hope this works out. I really do. Because um, I, I I, I've worked outside the church one time in my life, and it was, I coached tennis. And um, I played a tournament this weekend and got beat like a drum, so that's not going to work out. Um, um, but... But, you know, throughout my journey of ministry, I've been inside the church my whole life. And um, my whole adult career, especially, or my, my job and my calling. And there have been moments that we've had church fights. And, and, and probably a lot of you have been in those moments that, of, of tension in the life of a church. I can remember very young in, in ministry, I was on the front row. Robin and I were sitting together, and we're in a business meeting. And this lady is angry and screaming and hollering and crying. And I was like, whoa, this is a crazy night. And the subject was altar flowers. That, that was our topic. It was the flowers that went on the front of the church. And, uh, and man, it was just venomous. And, and I'm on the front row, and, and I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm young in ministry. And, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, people in this town are going to hell. And here we are. We're, in, we're fighting over flowers. And I almost stood up and said something. And, and I'm glad in that moment. I, I really felt like the Lord said, sit down. Keep your mouth shut. And, and, and you listen. Mouth shut, ears open, Chris. And, uh, and so I did. I, my mouth was shut, my ears were open. And, and, and I said to the Lord after that, Lord, um, I don't want ever, I don't want, if you give me influence. At that point, I didn't have much influence in that church. And, and I said, Lord, if you give me influence, I'll, we'll, we'll try to fight over the right things and not fight over the wrong things. Now, there have been other times that we've been in disagreements. Like I disagreed with my, this godly man who said I needed something to fall back on, and I, and I, I thought, yeah, I don't think that's, I'm not going to do that. You know, we've had some disagreements. Like, you know, it's amazing. Um, years ago, I want you to remember, uh, if you were here, um, shortly, or not too long after I'd gotten here, we've been, I've been here a couple years, and and, and I brought this really good plan about the mission. And I said, hey, we found 4.9 acres off Garnett. And we searched and looked, and we were looking all over the place. And, and, and I had a, we had a meeting one night, and I said to our church, okay, we have 4.9 acres right over here. There's a building on it that's 30 years old, but we could renovate it. And we could do, this could be really great. It's a great spot for the mission. 
And there was a, in that meeting, there was a hand that was raised and said, well, there's another piece of land that's like right by there. We ought to look at it. And I was like, oh, man, um, we've looked everywhere in this place, this whole town. He goes, well, I go, where is it? He goes, well, there's not a sign up, but uh, it's for sale. Nobody knows about it, though. I was like, okay, well, we'll go look at it. I felt like it threw a wrench in my plans. I, you know, I, I felt like, gosh, I've worked so hard on this. And, and I, I, I go look at this other piece of land. It's about two golf shots away if you hook it maybe a little bit. Um, 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 two golf shots away. Ray, I don't know about you, maybe four for you. I don't know. Um, so I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm, it's probably one for this guy. Or James, you're, you're a little better. Um, but um, but I, I looked at it, and it was 10 acres. And we were looking at a $1.5 million for a 4.9 acres and a 30-year-old building. And and then we're like, wow, man, for about, we might can get into this pretty close to the same price, and it's 10 acres. Wow, I think this might be better. And, and so you know what? I had one person say to me, Chris, if God gave you, gave you a vision for that 4.9 acres, you go get that. And I was like, well, I don't know. Let's, we want what's best, right? And, and you know, I was wrong. Well, it wasn't wrong. We were just, I just wasn't, I didn't have the best plan. And you know what, what God's done? Oh, my goodness, folks. Just a few mo- a month ago, we opened a, a brand new building built like we want it on not 4.9 acres, but 10 acres of land. You know, we did it for, we didn't go into debt doing it. And see, that, there, there are moments that in church life, we have to work through disagreements. We're in Acts chapter 15. Turn there. Acts chapter 15 is this moment of disagreement. Now, now there, are, there are some things we've got to make sure that as a church, we don't fight over stuff, stuff that's silly to fight over. You know, it it grieved me to be a part of a church that had a reputation in our community as being a church that fights with one another. And, And, you know, we ought to have a good reputation in our community. I mean, people ought to look at us. I mean, this is why this question drives me as a pastor, that, that if, if our church suddenly vanished from our community, would anybody notice and would they care? I, I hope that we are such a church in this place that if we vanish from our community, that the whole city would notice and they would care that we're gone. That's how we ought to live. You know, I, I pray that we are a, a group of people that, that set the example for our children of how to run our business, run our church in a godly way. There are times, though, we're going to disagree. As your pastor, there, there are going to be times I, I, I may not get it right. And I hope and pray that for the rest of my life, I'm, I, I'm, I own that. And I'm not prideful. And I pray that we work through tough issues. There are going to be tough issues we're going to have to work through. Acts 15 is a very important passage. And if you remember, we're in uh, Paul had just finished his first missionary journey. And uh, turn there to Acts 15, and, and, and this conflict arose, and it was a pretty big deal. And, and as, um, 
in this passage, it's interesting because you see a conflict take place and then they, they come together and they solve it. And they solved this conflict, and it was a big deal. It was a, I mean, it was a, it was a, 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 an emotional experience for many people, because it was based in their traditions. And you know, we like our traditions. We we like what you know, what we've been taught. And this was a conflict founded in these traditions. This fight with tradition. And this, this fight over the gospel message. But, but then they resolved it. But then you know what's interesting? It ends, this chapter ends with another conflict that wasn't resolved in that moment. And so it's a fascinating passage. And, and, and I want you to know there are times that we're going to disagree. And when we disagree, we've got to work it out. And they set the, the church sets a, a wonderful example and. Uh, as we see this. And, and, and you know what's interesting is, is Paul and Barnabas had just finished their missionary journey. They come back and they are fired up. I mean, God had moved. They are so pumped about, about this whole thing. And, 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 and then this, this, this dispute um, comes up over the gospel. And, you know what's, and it's really about how is somebody saved. And you know what's interesting is this conflict is still prevalent today in the church. People debate and wrestle with how can someone be saved. And, and it's this conflict over the free gift of salvation. That, that salvation is not something you can earn or you can deserve you deserve. Because all through even today, we have churches that disagree on, well, surely you gotta do something to come to Christ. Surely you have to um, earn your way in some way. But they were like, no, salvation is a gift that you, you can't earn and you don't deserve. And so it's interesting because we, we still have difficulty, and I want you to think about this, with the finished work of Christ on the cross. Like the Lord's Supper is this moment of celebration of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Now, would you stand with me and let's look at Acts 15. We're going we're to track through this chapter quickly, but, but I want us to read verses 1 through 7, first part of 7. But some men came down, verse 1, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversation of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers." When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, 
and this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, now, I want us to see some things in this passage, in this chapter, uh, that from the very beginning, Satan has been at war with God's people, and one of his tactics is to come inside the church and, and cause dissension. And, and from the very beginning, the progress of the gospel has been hindered by people with closed minds who stand in front of open doors blocking the way. Don't you think about that? All through history, there have been people with closed minds standing in front of open doors blocking the way of the gospel spreading. I mean, that, that, that's convicted me. Because in no way do I want to be a believer that's, that, that has a closed mind and I stand in front of an open door blocking the spread of the gospel. Now, when I say closed mind, I'm not saying, oh, the, the, like this idea that the criticism that we get as believers, oh, you Christians, you, the, you, don't, you need to change. You need to update the Scripture. Let me tell you something. The Scriptures aren't updatable. The Scriptures are sufficient for us. And, and this is really what, what is happening. God is moving in the church. Now, now, point number one today in your notes, I want you to see this, that conflict is inevitable in every church. And this is the truth. Every church is going to have conflict. But, but I want you to see that this is a fight that's worth having. That there, there are sometimes we need to argue. That there are sometimes we need to wrestle. Like, like we needed to wrestle through the right place for the mission. And we needed to come together and say, look, we need all of us to wrestle through this to get the right plan. And, and you know what? God did that in us. God led us to the right plan. And, and, I, and I love it that God taught me so much that, that, that I, as the pastor, was wrong. I had the wrong plan. But God was faithful to help us get to the right plan. And he used all of us to do it. I love that. Now, look back at verse 1. But there were some men that came down from Judea who were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, aren't you, aren't you glad, I mean, that this, was not, uh, this is not a requirement for salvation, right? I mean, wouldn't that change our songs that we sing? I mean, the, uh, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but my circumcision. <laughs> You know, can you imagine? Or, or amazing circumcision, how sweet. And that would change it all, right? You know? I thought that was going to be funny. Uh, this morning, I was talking to our deacons beforehand. They said, if you run that by your wife, I was like, no, I left that out. I didn't tell her. And so, so I'll just let her hear it live and see what she thinks. Um, but, but, but here was the struggle. Here's what was going on. All these Gentiles were coming to Christ. Paul had just finished his first missionary journey to Galatia, the the region of Galatia. And we just walked through all this. And and these Gentiles, these pagans, were like, you mean I I can trust in Christ and I can be forgiven of my sin? Paul's like, yeah. 
Yeah, you mean I don't have to become a Jew to be saved? And, and all these people, if you look at the story of Acts, um, you know, some, many of these people that had come to Christ at this point, even the Gentiles, they were pretty close to Judaism. They would follow a lot of the customs. But now the gospel is just radically transforming people. And, and it's, 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 it, 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 there were a few Gentiles coming to Christ initially, and now it's like the floodgates have been opened. And all these Jews that have kept these traditions going back to Moses. And that's what's interesting. When we went to Israel this year, if you, we're going we're gonna to plan another trip. And, and if, it's, it's worth your time. I mean, because I'm walking around Israel going, oh, my goodness. We think we have a heritage. You know, when I, I just read a book, uh, 1776, about George Washington and that, that journey. And I'm thinking, man, that was like you know, a long time ago, but we're walking around places in Israel that, yeah, yeah, this was like Solomon built this wall. Like, whoa, that's a long time ago. We're talking tradition that goes all the way back to Moses. This is a big deal. You think you're, we're passionate about old songs. I mean, they, we're talking Moses songs that they were passionate about customs and and laws that were established and now these gentiles are coming into the church going yeah i don't have to do that and there was conflict that was just rampant and 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 now let's let's look at this dispute one of the things that that i think they really did well is is they ran towards the conflict not away from it which i think is always good i would challenge us to be a church that that we don't let something build we run towards conflict at verse 2 after paul and barnabas look at this had no small dissension and and debate with them paul and barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question I, I hope we get to see the video of that's no small debate. I mean, have you ever been to somebody like in a setting where you're like, yeah, that's not a small debate they're having right there. I bet it was pretty heated. I hope we get to see the video in heaven. Um, but so being sent on their way, they passed through Phoenicia. They're like, we got we to gotta solve this. They came together, debated about it, and they said, okay, let's go to Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, that's where all the original leaders were. James was the head of the church. This is interesting, isn't it? James, the brother of Jesus, was the head of the Jerusalem church. Now, this flies in the face of the whole um, theology that has developed that Peter was the head of the church. But but in fact, the head of the Jerusalem church was James, and he was sending out Peter to all these places. That's just an interesting thought. And um, so they go to Jerusalem. On, On the way, they pass through Phoenicia and Samaria, and they were talking about the Gentiles coming to Christ, and everybody was just fired up about it. Verse 4, that when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by, with joy by the, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Now, you know, it's interesting, one of the things that they did right here is they looked to godly, humble, and mature leaders for wisdom. And this is a good practice, that, that we ought to run to conflict. We ought to look to godly, to mature leaders, to wise leaders for direction and for wisdom. And this is what they did. And then you also see they implemented this proven system to sort out these issues. This is what they did. They were like, okay, look, we, we've got to come together with godly men and, and let's, let's have smaller groups that solve some of these issues to bring to the larger body. And, and this is what we try to practice here. This is why we have ministry teams and, and 
you know, this, this next, next Sunday, I'm meeting with the personnel team. Our, our finance team has been meeting, working through the details of our budget that we're going to present in November. And we have a church council that, that, that leads, like deals with specific issues when we have to work on things. And our nominating team puts those in place. We have a system. I'm kind of a nerd. I, like, I, I always talk about our bylaws. I mean, people love to talk about bylaws, right? And, uh, and, but I think that's important. We have them on our website. We have a system. They work this system. Verse, verse 6, the apostles were, and elders were gathered together, together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and he said, hey, we got to straighten this out. And, and what's interesting is you look at what Peter did. Um, he, he stood up and he articulated the truths of salvation. Now, point number two is very important. Do you know that the way to heaven is a biblical truth that we must get right? Now, now there are times we should go, time out, we got we to gotta, we gotta argue over this. We, we got to settle this issue. And when it comes to the way to get to heaven, the church came together, Peter came together and says, all right, boys, we got to settle this. And if you read, like, like, like we had mentioned in the first missionary journey to, that Paul went on, it was to the region of Galatia. So you can read the book of Galatians, and you can see the connection. You can see why Paul is saying in the book of Galatians, hey, you're falling away. Come on, you're believing these Judaizers. These people that are trying to keep the law, you have to keep the law. And, and Paul is articulating these truths of, that, that he will later write about to the Ephesians and, and all through his letters. See, you've got to realize in the book of Acts, the letters of Paul haven't been written yet. But these ideas are forming and these conflicts are shaping him. And, and, and I want you to look at, at, at what Peter said. Peter stands up and, and what did he say? First, he he, he talked about that God made a choice to preach to the Gentiles. Originally, the Jews were like, no, this is just for us. And, and Jesus said, no, no, we're going for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him, that they might not perish and have everlasting life. And what God did when, when Jesus went to the cross and died and shed his blood, he said, no, this is for the world, boys. It's not just for the Jews. And, and this is what Peter said. He articulated this, verse, verse 6. Um, um, and he said, uh, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Um, he says, brothers, verse 7, excuse me, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe. Remember when Peter, in early in Acts chapter 10, he goes to Cornelius, this, this Roman centurion, and, and he went into his house, and, and, and that was a big deal for him to go into his house because a Jew would, could not go into the house of a Gentile. And, and remember Peter had that dream at, at Joppa as he was at the tanner's house that there were the unclean things that came down. And, and God said, get up and eat. Don't call, don't call something unclean that God said, I turn, determined it was clean. So Peter gets up and says, hey, guys. Now, Peter's the big, he's a big deal. Peter's the, um, he's, he's an important figure. He's, the, he's, he's more influential than Paul at this time in the life of the church. 
And he says, hey, remember when God opened the door to the Gentiles? This was a big thing. Second Peter told them that, that God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles to bear witness to that, that, hey, they're born again. The Holy Spirit is in them. Look at verse 8. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their heart by what? Faith. Look at that. Peter's like, no, 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 it's not circumcision that cleanses your heart. It's faith. Faith in God is cleanse your hearts. And, and, and you know what's interesting? Like, like I talked about in the Lord's Supper, that, that the veil was torn from top to bottom. Do you know what these Judaizers, Judaizers are doing? They're, they're trying to stitch up the veil. They're trying to reattach the veil. Saying, hey, look, no, you've got to do this, this, and this to be saved. And Paul's like, no, no, you don't. You, you, you need faith in Christ to be saved. And then later, Paul writes Ephesians, and you know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? He, he articulates this. This is where this argument is being shaped and this idea is being shaped that he writes later to Ephesians. It says, for by grace that you have been saved through faith, right? This is not of your, your own doing. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. And Peter writes to, or Paul writes to Ephesians, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's this idea that, look, look, we're, to, we're saved by faith. And, and so it's this, it's this concept that, that we don't work for our salvation. Now, we do works, but we work from our salvation. That once we are saved, then we work for the Lord. We don't work for the Lord to get saved. And this is very important. And now, now let me summarize Peter and James's argument real quick because here's their argument that salvation starts with God, not man. This is, this is really the argument that James and, and Peter are working, that, that man-made regulations are not required for salvation. This is, this, that, that it's not man-made regulations that you keep that get you to be, that require salvation. Salvation, like I've said before, is a gift that can't be earned or deserved. You don't earn, you can't earn salvation. You don't deserve salvation. This is not what we do. Salvation comes through grace alone. It's a, what is grace? Grace is a gift that we've been given that we don't deserve. And we don't deserve grace. It's a gift. And it's through Christ alone. It's through Christ's work on the cross. And what's interesting is it, it, it's like, like it's ridiculous thinking. And think about this. Do you really think we can add to what Jesus did on the cross? I mean, this would be like, um, like you going to the Sistine Chapel. And you, you, you walking into the Sistine Chapel and you're thinking, you know, looking up at the ceiling, I think he missed a few spots. Hey, someone give me a ladder. Give me, I got a Sharpie here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix what Michelangelo worked on. You would get arrested if you tried. Because Michelangelo was pretty good, right? And, and do you really think that you are going to uh, fix the work of the master Michelangelo? 
Well, well, are you going to fix the work of the king of all kings? The Lord of all lords? No, his work on the cross was big time. It was sufficient. You can't add to it to make it better. And that's really what they're saying. And what's interesting is this, as verse 12 goes on, um, they, they go and they, they then Paul and Barnabas, they start talking and talking about all that God has done. Verse 12 through 17 shares this. And, 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 and they, 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 they are, are telling about all these Gentiles coming to faith in Christ, telling stories of salvation. And, and I don't know about you, that motivates us, doesn't it? When we, when we see people coming to Christ and we see lives changed, I mean, last week to see a father baptize his or get baptized and then get out of the water and baptize his daughter. I mean, that's a high-five moment. That's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad. That's worth it all. I didn't need to preach. I did, but I didn't need to, but I'm glad I did. But, um, but they, were, they were so fired up about what, what these Gentiles come into faith in Christ. And then James, the brother of Jesus, who was known as Camel Knees because he prayed so much. And, and, and he gets up and he says, all right, look, and he kind of makes these concessions and, and, and a couple of things because there were some things that the Gentiles needed to improve on. They needed to pay attention to the way they lived because some of the Gentiles, when they would come to Christ, they needed to grow up in their faith, and there were some practices that they needed to stop doing. And so James articulates some of these practices, and he basically says you, you should avoid idolatry and immorality. Don't, don't keep doing your idol worship Focus on Christ. You know, they would, uh, they, he said, don't, don't get into this immoral, immoral lifestyles. Pay attention to some of your, your, your practices because, you know, those are good ideas. But it's not a requirement for salvation. Work's not a requirement for salvation. And, and, and what's interesting is you look at this passage, they settled the conflict. And they came together. They had a good system, and they, and, they, and they said, look, and then what happened is James writes this letter, and he says, I want you to take this letter to all the churches, clarifying that it's faith alone that saves you. You don't have to follow the old customs in order to be saved. And then they spread the word. And, and man, the church was encouraged. The church was strengthened. And, and, and we have this record so we could get salvation right. And let me tell you something. We've got to make sure that we are true to the gospel. In my quiet time, I just finished the book of Galatians and in and, and, and just my time with the Lord. And, and, and all through my Bible, I was writing, Lord, help us be true to the gospel. Help us not be a church that, that, that adds things to the gospel. And, and, and I love this passage in Acts because this is a moment that the church comes together and had hot debates, and, and they, they, they sought out their leaders. They, 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 they got on their knees, and, and they solved the problem. The Holy Spirit led them. They loved each other through it. And you know what? That's what I pray we do as a church. We're going to have times that we disagree. We're, there are going to be times that we're going to have to come together and, and talk through important issues. And, and let's do that in a spirit of love. Let's do that in a spirit of, of resolution and of, of and, and, or excuse me, of reconciliation. Now, now what's interesting is um, 
There's something to learn here. Point number three, something I pray that we learn, that when conflict takes place, we choose reconciliation over resolution. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, we may not all be able to agree on every issue. We may not, as, a, as, a, as godly people, as people that love the Lord, that want to follow the Lord, we may not be able to resolve every issue. But if we choose reconciliation over resolution, that's important because reconciliation continues a relationship. You know, uh, my kids, one of the things that I see them, they, they're, they've got opinions. And sometimes their opinions differ from my opinions. And you, you know what? I, I, though I'm somewhat influential on them because I'm their dad, but uh, not too long ago, Eric and I were in a discussion, and he goes, I think you're wrong, Dad, on this issue. And, and we got to the end of the discussion. He goes, I'll tell you what, my argument was better, Dad. <laughs> and I was like, I think you're right. But, but you know what? I, I pray that even though I disagree and can't resolve every issue with my children, I want to be reconciled to them and have a relationship with them the rest of my life. And I think we ought to choose reconciliation over resolution. You know what's interesting about this passage? Look at verse 20, excuse me, 36. My eyes are, I'm getting old, older. I got to. Verse 36, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought it not best to, to take him with them, the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and, gone, and had not gone with them to the work. Remember this moment, John Mark left and, and, he, and so Paul looked at John Mark and said, man, you're a pansy. I'm not taking him. John, and you remember, um, you know, Barnabas, what's Barnabas known for? He's, he's the, the lover. He's the one that, oh, we ought to be like Barnabas. We, we looked at him in Acts. He was the one that, man, saw the best in everybody. And, and, and Barnabas looked at John Mark, though he was his cousin, said, come on, Bar Paul, this is a good guy. He's got a lot of good work in him. Paul's like, no, nah, he's out of here, man. He bailed on me. Forget that kid. And there arose, look at verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement. I hope we get to see the video of that in heaven, too. A sharp disagreement between two godly men so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So who's right? Who's right here? How many think Paul's right? Raise your hand. How many think Barnabas was right? Raise your hand. How many of you are like, I'm not disagreeing with either one of those guys? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what's interesting? I think, I think Paul missed it here. I, I, and, and he even goes back later. Paul says, hey, uh, 
John Mark's a good guy. Um, you know, it's interesting when godly people disagree. You know, there are times that that's going to happen. And, and I want us to see, sometimes God's godly people will not only disagree, they will sharply disagree. Um, now, here's what we have to do, and this is what I pray for us as a church, that we avoid minor issues becoming major divisions. We've got to do that as a church. We've got to make sure that we don't let minor issues become major divisions in the life of our church. And, and this will be hard to write down, but I want you to write this down. God can use people who disagree with me. Isn't that kind of hard to write down? Because we think, oh, well, hey, don't disagree with me. I mean, a godly person disagreeing with me? Is that really true? Yeah, you know what? There are times that godly people can disagree with me. And, and I love this example. And here's what's, here's what's amazing about this, this moment in Scripture. Because though they sharply disagreed, and there was a time they said, we're out, we're splitting. But look at what God's doing. Now, look, there are two groups out sharing the gospel. Isn't that better? It's like, it's like 10 acres is better than 4.9, right? Now there are two groups sharing the gospel. And what's, what's amazing is even though this conflict was, they probably left in a huff, we know the end of the story, that the gospel was clarified and shared. Folks, I, I want you to see something very just incredible. We get to be a part of the work of God in this place. So here's our invitation today. You know, if you need Jesus, oh, come to Jesus. You may, you may be one of those that think that I've got to do something. I've got to earn my way to heaven. You can't do it. Would you receive the gift of Jesus? Our, our staff's going to be down front, and we'd like you, well, we'd invite you in. You, coming down front doesn't save you. That's not saving you. Coming to Jesus saves you, not coming to me or a staff member. Come to Jesus. For those of you that know Christ as your Savior and are members of this church, would you pray in this invitation for the unity and the faithfulness of our church?